Hi, this is Angie Meadows, and today we're going to do John 9. I have so enjoyed this John study. As I'm working on it and writing it, my heart burns. And each lesson, I know I've read this stuff over and over again. I know I've already written it. I know I've studied it. But going back through this and putting in these thoughts to ponder and these discussion questions and just rehearsing it again and praying over it, I have been so full of the Spirit of God while I'm doing this that it's strengthening me. So there's a time to go to the Word of God and eat it and be fed with it. And um, this chapter, it talks about Jesus being the light, that Jesus equals light. So if Jesus is the light, well, He says, I am the light of the world in John 5, 9, 5. So that means in Him is no darkness at all. So as I walk with the Lord, I might not know what to do. I mean, I might have a little temporal circumstance that I'm fixated on. And if I do, you're going to know it. I'm going to know it because I'm very stressed. I'm very uh, concerned with the temporal things of life, the material things, and I'm looping into negative thoughts. But if I look at the uh, darkness in my life, the circumstances, the problems, and I you know, look at it for 10 minutes, pray over it in the morning, and then just move that out of the way and land in worshiping God and praising Him. Now I've got the light. Now I've got the light that covers that darkness, and it's not so dark. I mean, I couldn't fix it anyway. So I want you to recognize that Jesus is the light, and Jesus is life, and Jesus is full of blessings. And to remove the darkness and the thoughts of death out of your life, out of your heart, and land on Jesus Christ. So on uh, John 9, 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So to who did Jesus pass by? He passed by a man that had been blind from birth. Now each one of us are spiritually blind until he opens our eyes, until we come to him, until we believe. So what did his disciples ask him in John 9, 2? And the disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who said, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Huh. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says um, in John 9, 3, he answers and he says, Oh, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now look at that. So they had a belief that if... Uh, there was sin in somebody's life that there would be disease. And here Jesus is uh, refuting that and saying that's not true. <clears throat> so whose work is Jesus doing? In John 9, 4, Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to do this work. And now he's going to describe himself. He's going to say, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And that's John 9, 5. So let's see what Jesus did next. John 9, 6. I hope you guys are enjoying these studies. Just listen to the word and let it soak into you. So when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, and he made clay with his saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So we find um, with the healing in the book of John, with the different healings, that he did it differently every time, so that there's not a formula. <laughs> if there is a formula, it's believing in God. And so the next verse, 
John 9, 7, he said, he said to the, the blind man, he said, go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. So this man obeyed him. Jesus gave him a command, go and wash. And then this man obeyed. So we have a responsibility to hear, to believe, and to obey. And if you're spiritually blind, you may not know exactly how to do this. You may not even believe. And so somehow or another, you've got to say to the Lord, Father, would you just help me believe? Would you help me to trust? Your word says to forgive. Let me forgive. And you're going to do this act of forgiveness maybe a hundred times. Every time you feel that bitter sting, you're going to say, nope, I'm going to transform my mind. I'm going to think his thoughts. I'm going to purpose my will to be doing his will. He says to forgive, so I'm going to forgive. And eventually your emotions will follow. And this process of forgiveness, uh, this process of opening our spiritual eyes, sometimes takes time. It takes going to Jesus and saying, help me, Lord. I am blind. I cannot see. I, I need healing. So there are misunderstandings around sickness and disease. And God wants to heal us. And Jesus came to do the work of the Father. And Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus healed differently on different occasions. And it's our responsibility to partner with the Lord to hear, to believe, and to obey. So here's you some thoughts to ponder. What would it look like in your life to meditate upon the Word of the Lord and not on your fickle, feeble emotions? Emotions change, uh, but the Word of the Lord is steadfast, steady, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But my emotions change with the circumstances. My emotions are built into whatever is going on. But when I can move the emotion I can sit with it. I can feel it. Yes, I'm angry, but it doesn't become unhealthy. Instead, it becomes a healthy anger where I can verbalize it. I can process it. I can move that uh, gently to the altar of the Lord, and I can say, there it is, Lord. If you can make something out of it, please do. Now that emotion doesn't control me. It doesn't drive my tongue, my heart, my responses, my action. I've actually learned to self-regulate and balance myself emotionally, and now I have wisdom. So I want you to think of the emotion that's the strongest in your life right now that you need to work through, and I want you to work through it and give it to the Lord. So now think of a situation that is broke, that you do not know how to fix, and shift it, and focus on what you do know how to do in other areas of your life. Give the broken thing to the Lord. And that's like I was saying here at the beginning. There's two tracks in life. There's the one that's temporal, that's circumstantial, that's broke, that I can't fix. Uh, if I land there, I'm in darkness all day. But if I look at it, release it to the Lord, shift my focus onto the light of the Word of God, now I've got strength. I've got courage to move forward and do the next right thing. And those things, those circumstances will work themselves out. And as I look back over the years of my life, the things that I worried about 10 years ago, 20 years, 30 years, some of those are still there. Some of those didn't get fixed, but I got fixed where they don't control me now. Uh, but most of them got resolved. So I just want you to know there are going to be areas of your life that's never resolved, but you do not need to suffer every day for it. You can have the peace 
of God, which surpasses all understanding, nor do you have to have, uh, you don't have to hold that suffering. You don't have to be a martyr in that area of your life. You can enjoy your life. So if there is something in your life that's causing you to suffer, I want you to open your hands and let go of it. Let God have it, and I will give you permission to enjoy your day. So now ask counsel of those who are confident enough to disagree with you and close enough to the Lord to tell you what the Word says. I want you to name three trusted friends, and if you don't have a trusted friend, I pray that God sends you one right away, one that you can grow and mature with and that you can learn from and that can learn from you. Because it says where there is two, two is better than one. If one falls, the other one will pick them up. So a lot of times my counselors and my advisors are my radio teachers and my radio ministers and those that have poured into me for years and years. Um, so in uh, this next section of John, we're going to start with John 9, 8. It talks about uh, Jesus coming and causing division. So let's see what the neighbors are saying. Therefore, the neighbors of those who had previously seen this blind man said, Is not he this who sat and begged? And, he's, and they said, uh, No, uh, the same said, this is he, and the other said, no, it's just like him. And the man says, it is me. I, I was the blind beggar. And they said, oh, well, what happened to you? And he sa they said, how were your eyes opened? So how did the man answer them? Hmm. He answered them, and he said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Shalom and wash. So I went and washed, and I received my sight. Well, that sounds like too simple of an answer for them. <laughs> so he's describing what happened, and he's describing how his eyes were opened. So there is a, a verse in the Bible that says that we can be washed in the Word. So as you anoint your eyes and ask for spiritual eyes, ask for your eyes to be enlightened through the Word of God so that your spiritual eyes can be washed. Opened, and then you continue to wash in the Word until you can truly see what's going on around you. So who do the people want to meet now? So when the people see what a changed heart and a changed life you may have after meeting Jesus, they're going to want to meet Him. So they said to this beggar, they said, well, where is He? Uh, and the man says, I, I don't know where he is, because you know he had not seen Jesus. He had heard him, but he did not see him because he left him before his eyes opened. So let's see, what did these neighbors do next? Well, they brought him formally, who was blind, to the Pharisees. And that was in John 9, 13. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus had made this clay and opened this blind man's eyes. So the Jews had made many, many religious rules, and to them it was more important to keep that Sabbath day than it was to do good on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees are asking questions now. In John 9, 15, it says, Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed and now I see. Oh, no, this was going to cause a division. They couldn't possibly understand something so simple. It had not occurred to these Pharisees that their rules on the Sabbath could possibly be wrong. So therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep our Sabbath. 
Others said, how can he be a sinner who does such things? And there was a division among them. Hmm. So who did the blind man say Jesus was? 917. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him who opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. So they're trying to ask this blind man, So what do you think? Who, who do you think this man is? And he's saying he's a prophet. So I want you to know that if you feel like a beggar, you can be chosen to be healed today. <laughs> Blindness does not negate your responsibility to follow instructions. So when you hear in the Word of God an instruction to obey, like forgiveness, to forgive someone, I want you to obey it. Uh, you have a responsibility to do that, not for the other person, but for yourself. So the people wanted to meet this miracle worker. And the Pharisees had so many rules about the Sabbath that they couldn't fathom that God would care more about a person than He would about a religious rule. Well, I'm telling you, if you were hurt in church, if you were hurt by religious rules, God cares a lot more about you than He cares about those rules. So the Sabbath was not for man. This, oh, sorry. Let's say that again. The Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. And that's Matthew 2.27, Luke 6.5, and Matthew 12.8 says the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbaths. So Jesus is greater than religious rules. So I want you to develop a relationship with Jesus. So even though Jesus opened the blind man's physical eyes, he did not see spiritually and could not discern Jesus as the Messiah. He thought Jesus was a prophet. So are there religious traditions that you follow? Have you been obedient to everything you feel like the Lord has told you to do? And can you tolerate differing views on the Sabbath and other things that are not a salvation issue? Because there's a lot of different views out there, and we have a choice. Uh, can we tolerate other people's views if it's not a salvation issue, or are we going to cause division? So the fourth command is to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. So ponder your thoughts on the Sabbath. What would it mean for you to keep it holy? Write out a prayer. Think about a prayer and ask God to give you the wisdom and show you an area of your life that may be hindering your spiritual growth. Now in this next section, we're going to start with John 9.18, um, and they're going to question Jesus' miracles. The Jews did not believe that a man had been blind, so what did they do? So since the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, they called his parents of him who had received his sight. So what are the two questions? The Pharisees asked the parents, and this is in John 9, 19. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? <laughs> so the parents didn't know what to do. So they just stated the facts. His parents answered and said to them, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Now let's see what those parents did next. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. So why did the parents speak these words? His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So the consequences of believing in Jesus in those days was to be put outside of the synagogue, outside of the religious 
um, rules outside of the religious protection of those days. So do you think his parents were being very bold? Hmm. The parents said in 923, therefore his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. <laughs> Sounds like they threw that boy right under the bus. <laughs> so the Jews called the parents. They wanted to quiz everybody around. They wanted to try to figure out what was going on. Uh, they questioned them, wanting to know if he, if this was really true. Was he really born blind? And the parents basically said, you know, we just don't know. He's an adult. We, we don't know. We weren't there. And they were afraid of the Jews, and they were being, they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. And they were not bold to stand strong and say, you know, if our son says this, our son's right. Um, so sometimes we're more concerned with what people think than we are with supporting those that we love. So others may not believe in your miracle, and that's okay. If you know you got a miracle, you write it down, you grave it on a piece of wood, you, you stick it above your door, and you, you stand on that ground. Others may even try to trap you in your words when you've gotten a miracle. Even your support system may be afraid and not have your back. Your own endearing parents may go, may, may <laughs> throw you right underneath the bus. So religious and political leaders may make us cower with fears of rejection. So to be an outcast for our beliefs can be rough. It takes boldness to know and to speak the truth. So do you have anyone in your life who will speak on your behalf? And do you have people in your life that you love enough to speak in their behalf? And have you ever been persecuted for your beliefs? Is your spiritual insight growing and changing as you mature in Christ? So there are things that I believed 20 years ago that I have matured through. There are rules that I've followed, religious rules that i followed, uh, that I needed to follow I, I, my flesh was really dominant and strong, and I needed to follow those rules. Uh, I needed to be under that taskmaster until grace came. But now I have grace, and now I can move in and out and not in and out of circumstances and situations that I would have never subjected myself to before because I'm grounded in Christ. I can move in and out of different churches. I can move in and out of um, with different people of different walks in life that don't agree with me. I can minister to those that are in witchcraft or those that are into uh, homosexuality. I can move in and out of their lives and not be affected by their beliefs because um, of the growth that I have gotten over the last couple of decades. Now, a couple of decades ago, I was not strong enough. I might have picked up their depression. I might have picked up their fear. I might have picked up their lies or their confusion, and I don't do that anymore. Instead, I can stand firm with the presence of God. I can move in, take the presence of God, and move out. So if you believe exactly like you believed a decade ago, ask the Lord to challenge you and expand your understanding in areas that He would choose for you. And then prepare yourself to listen over the next week or so. So if you don't read the Bible for yourself, and you're just listening and remembering what your religious leaders taught you uh, in your younger days, some of that was skewed. You need to start reading and searching out this word for yourself so that you can apply it to your life in a way that makes sense to you and you can actually walk in it. So write a prayer and ask God in what ways He wants you to be a comforter, provider, and protector for others. Now Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. So what did the Pharisees say to this healed man? 
9.24, John 9.24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. <laughs> They're talking about Jesus being a sinner. <laughs> so what's the one thing the man claims to know for sure? So let's see what this blind beggar uh, claims to know. In 9.25, he answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So, you know, sometimes I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong for my own life, let alone yours. So I couldn't possibly tell you what's right or what's wrong for your own life. I can just tell you I know Christ crucified. I know that once I was blind, I was spiritually blind, but now I see. So when your spiritual eyes are open, you won't be able to have the answer to all the questions. What we will be able to know and see the Word of God with new eyes, and it will be expanded and enlightened and will burn in our heart in a way that it has not done before. So what are the Pharisees doing in John 9, 26? Then they, the Pharisees, said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Well, here they are hammering in with the same questions. This sounds like interrogation. <laughs> so what answering technique did this man use? Okay, this is a little, this beggar might be a beggar. He might have been blind, but he's got some techniques here he's going to use on these guys. He says in John 9, 27, I told you already, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> so he uses um, he uses the tactic of repeating what he said, accusing them of not listening, and then asking them a question. So this is really cool that he didn't buckle underneath their pressure. So then when the Pharisees could not get an answer that they wanted, they resorted to what? Then they reviled him and they said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. <laughs> so revile means to be subjected to abusive languages. Then they justified themselves by saying that they were Moses' disciples. So if people are using abusive language on you and then justifying their actions by saying it's for good purpose, it's righteous indignation or something like that, don't fall for it. It's a tactic. <laughs> so what confusing tactics are the Pharisees using next? We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fella, we do not know where he come from. So they are speaking truth, and then they add a confusing statement. So what was the healed man's courageous speech? Let's hear him. In John 9.30, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. He said, how about that? You can't figure it out, but my eyes are open. <laughs> so what is he saying Jesus would have to be doing for God to use him to heal. And in John 9, 31, he's defending Jesus, and he says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, he does his will. He hears him. So this man is speaking of Jesus, and he is saying that he's not a sinner. And how would God use him in such a way to open his eyes if he was? So what question or statement is the heal man making in his speech? He says, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone has opened eyes since they were born blind. So now there's a rational defense that this healed man is making. In John 9, 33, he says, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. 
<laughs> so he's he's using some rationalizations here, trying to convince uh, unpleasable, unconvincible people. So let's see what happens next. They answered and said to him, You are completely born in your sins. Are you trying to teach us? And then they cast him out. <laughs> so if this man was able to teach the proud Pharisees anything, uh, yeah, no, they said you're born in your sin. So they land in their false belief that he was born in sin. And then they bully him by throwing him out. And the only crime he had here to be cast out was that he disagreed with them. So sometimes when you know Christ and you know what he's done for you, you will get persecuted. But instead, I want you to give God the glory for the revelation that he's given you. It's okay if our religious leaders don't always understand this new thing that God might be doing in our life. It's okay if we get verbally rejected by those that are around us that should appreciate us. It's okay if they twist our words, if they revile us, if they falsely accuse someone who's innocent. I want you not to cling to your traditions, but to cling to the Word of God, to cling to the light that you know is true. Whether you are physically healed or you are spiritually awakened, do not let anyone take that from you. When you have a spiritual awakening, it is... Uh, my responsibility to hold on to my spiritual awakening. It's my responsibility to renew my mind. Uh, and as I renew my mind, then I have like a new wineskin that will hold the goodness of God, that will hold the truth that He's given me, so that I am not thinking old thoughts that are interfering with it and taking it away from me. Because there's that parable of the new wineskin being able to hold the new wine, and the old wineskin that'll crack and lose it. So if I don't stretch my mind, renew my mind, take captive every thought, tear down those thoughts that don't agree with the Word of God, I, I'm i going to get dry and cracked and everything that God gave me is going to get leaked out. And those that are in front of me that don't understand are going to steal it from me. So I want you not to let anyone steer, steal the truth that you know that is in your heart, but stick to what you know is true. Worship the Father and do His will. Proud men are blind, and they will cling to their false beliefs. So if we examine our own eyes, are, we, are our eyes enlightened? Are they open spiritually? Can we appreciate Jesus Christ as our Messiah, as our Savior. So where's God calling me to make a difference? And do you know how to wait on the Lord for His timing? Sometimes a work is in your heart for decades before the Lord opens the doors. Just pray it down until the Lord help strengthens your heart to believe. So don't resist any change. Don't cling to those things that are familiar, because sometimes God's doing a new thing and as in Isaiah 43, 19. So as he's doing a new thing, uh, it's uncomfortable. It, it, it's, it makes us kind of squirmy, and it makes us question ourselves. But if you're watching and praying that one hour a day, if you're watching and praying, you'll not fall into temptation. Uh, you'll be uh, the seed of the 
planted on good soil that will bring forth good fruit. Your seed of the Word of God, of the truth that has been given to you, will not be hindered and robbed by the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world. So God strengthen their hearts and make their path plain, as it says in Psalms 27, 11. So believers, true believers, respond with worship. So let's see what happened next. We're in John 9, 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Now let's see, what did this young man say? He answered and he said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Okay, so his heart is opened. This miracle has opened his heart, but he still doesn't understand that the one that opened his eyes was the Messiah. So in John 9, 37, it says, And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. <laughs> Can you believe this? This blind beggar, and here's Jesus telling him that he's the Son of God, that he's the Messiah? He's telling him truth that the Pharisees could not hear or understand. So did this man believe? And then this man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So do you see what believers do? They worship Christ. Can you make sense out of what Jesus is saying in this next verse? So Jesus says in John 9, 39, For judgment I have come into this world. And that those who do not see may see, and those that see who see may be blind. When I'm looking at this verse, I'm thinking he's saying those that think they see, those that are self-righteous, that trust in their rules, yeah, they're going to be made blind. But those who know they're blind, seeking for truth, seeking for their Savior, seeking for the Master, is going to find him. Now let's look at John 9:40. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, "Are we blind also?" <laughs> so Jesus's conversation here has been overheard. So what did Jesus answer them? He says, "Now, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say, we see, then your sins remain. So if I'm arrogant, if I'm stubborn, if I have walls put up, if I and my mind is closed and I'm hardened to truth by the traditions of man or religion or rules and I'm refusing to even listen or ask the Holy Spirit to teach me more, then I'm going to be remaining in my sins. So this may indicate the people who are ignorant of truth and are seeking and asking for God to reveal truth maybe not be liable for their sins. If you were blind, you would have no sin. Huh. Is that possible that it could mean that? Hmm. But if you're saying you know it all, when you don't, well, you're responsible. So Jesus came looking for the healed man who the Pharisees cast out. The man had been blind and didn't recognize Jesus. So Jesus reveals to the healed man that he's the Son of God. And the healed man believes. He believes in the miracles. And he worships God. So I want you to think about it. Did your spiritual eyes open all at once? Or has it been a slow and gradual process? Or do you think that maybe the Word of God's never come alive in your heart, and maybe your eyes are still closed and you need to ask for these enlightening uh, spiritually healed eyes. Now, do you have family members or those close to you, or your co-workers that are divisive 
and cause you to respond in fear and not in faith. So practice non-emotional responses today with others because emotions can be easily manipulated. And remember what we said, when we can get past the emotion, now we can find the wisdom. Otherwise, we're going to keep rehearsing that emotion and we're going to stay stuck. So your instructions are to stay bold, expect persecution in verse 35, and let Jesus comfort you in verse 39. So we're going to look at some divisive tactics here. They were relying, the Pharisees were relying on man-made rules. They were calling witnesses and bullying others. They were calling good evil. They were asking the same question over and over again. They were reviling, accusing, and justifying themselves. They were mixing truth with error to cause confusion. And they were unable to be taught because of their unbelief. Now let's look at the righteous defense of this blind beggar whose eyes were opened. Speak what you know for certain. State the facts. Answer the questions with the question. Speak boldly. Defend Jesus. Speak of the awesome power of a mighty God. And then make a rational defense. So it was pretty cool how this blind beggar had all these righteous uh, responses. So practice a righteous defense. Practice uh, not being pivoted or moved with emotions, but just standing your ground on truth. Uh, Role play it with your friend. Maybe make up a life scenario. Or write out your defense. You may never need to speak it. It just may need to be clear in your mind and in your heart. Now, I want you to ask the Lord to take a situation in your life that seems unresolvable and ask Him to come and comfort you. And this was Angie Meadows, and this was The Rocker Recovery, and this was John 9.